Hey everyone, this is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. On the line with me today is my sworn foe, Megan Strand. Wow. That's what's you happening, know that. huh? Yeah. That's what happens when Boston meets Seattle. That's right. That's right. I'm That's act- right. I will say I'm actually a little bit torn about how to who to cheer for because yes, supposedly I'm a Seahawks fan because this is the part of the world that I live in. However, I did live in Boston for a handful of years, so I'm also a little bit loyal to the Patriots, so. Yeah. Cuz yeah. we'll have and- to see. And, you know, so, I mean, if if things are a little cold between us today, Megan, you understand why. <laughs> you just can't be my friend anymore. Yeah. If if, seem, if things seem deflated between us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, you know what's good, though, is even though you and I have a tremendous rivalry going on here, right? We have someone on the line from a city that has absolutely nothing going on. Okay. <laughs> And on the line, you know, the, and actually, our guest is probably the biggest thing in his city right now, from a sports perspective, even. Okay. <laughs> on the line with us now is Michael Hoffman, CEO of C3 Communications. Hey, Michael. Hi, Joe. Hi, Megan. Hello. Where did, the, where did the Bears finish even this year? You know what? I don't even know. I'm, did I'm, they finish? Joe, you, I'm from Baltimore. You should oh, know that's oh. right. You know, we, we beat them the week before. Yes, I, yes, I, I remember. Right. <laughs> I remember. So um, I was I was certainly thinking about you because that's true. I, I was thinking about you and I was thinking about another gentleman there, Mike Doherty, who's uh, popular online and also a, a Baltimore native. Well, welcome, Michael. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me from the great city of Chicago. It is a great city. So the reason we we have Michael on today, Megan, is because we want to talk about uh, the Super Bowl, of course. We want to talk about the ads associated with the Super Bowl. And we want to especially talk about the cause-related ads um, around the Super Bowl, in addition to a host of other things. But first, Michael, if our listeners are not familiar with you, could you begin by telling them who you are and what your company is all about? Sure. Sure. So I am the CEO of C3 Communications, as you said, and C3 is a digital agency that just works for nonprofits and social causes. Mm-hmm. And, our, and our focus is a lot on media and video in particular, because we see uh, in the digital world and on, online that video has become the dominant form of content. And so mm-hmm. how do organizations, particularly ones with limited budgets and uh, and not necessarily capacity or history of creating quality video. How do they enter this new world and 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 play in it? And so we see ourselves as kind of the navigators, the helpers, both um, in consulting and production and web and all of the pieces that that come together to make an effective communicating organization. Mm-hmm. And, and Mike, what do you think? I mean, there are some obvious things about video that make it really powerful, i.e. we can see it. Right. But what does make video so powerful of a medium for causes and nonprofits that can't be replaced by text or audio? I think that, um, you know, one of those things is that there's a lot of complicated work that that organizations do. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you try to explain all of it in detail, it becomes, you know, reading a book. And you can, with video, video carries a tremendous amount of information in a short period of time. So if I wanted to say, you know, that this was a program that's happening in schools, I can show it in the school and I don't even have to say it, right? There's lots of 
uh, uh, things happening uh, in a video that can convey emotion and information. Um, and I think particularly just to, to hone in on that emotion, you know, that video mm -hmm. is really good at delivering um, that emotion. And as much as we'd like to believe people make decisions about fundraising and do donations and getting involved in organizations based on rational yep. means, we know that people are emotional creatures. And so yep. video becomes very important. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting about that, too, Michael and Megan, is I think as we look at the research, the scientific research on that, it seems like day to day they are finding more reasons than ever to focus on emotion as opposed to other types of appeals like logic and stuff like that. Emotion is just so powerful. Yep, there's there's um, it seems like every day there is research that says that, you know, uh, focusing, for example, on an individual and their plight is much more powerful than statistics and things that might have more uh, rational uh, means to do with whether this makes sense to invest in or to donate to. But the, again, that's not how people make decisions. Well, and speaking of emotion, I think the Super Bowl and particularly the ads on the Super Bowl are filled with anticipation and then sometimes emotion if they're if they're done well. But I think what we tend to see on Super Bowl advertising is sort of over the top advertising. So, Joe, you've done a really good job of tracking Super Bowl ads. What mm. have we seen in the past from a cause perspective and what do you think we're going to see this year? Well, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's interesting what's what's happened in the past. I mean, you know, when it comes to cause ads around the Super Bowl, some years there have been several and some years there just haven't been that many. I mean, when I think over the landscape of the ads the past few years, I'm sure you folks remember in 2011, Groupon kind of had its failed cause ad. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, you know, <laughs> which kind of, you know, and I mean, it kind of fit the, you know, and we'll put these ads too in our show notes so 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 people could see them, is it was kind of over the top, right? You know, in terms of being critical, I think the first one was on Tibet or something like that that people took a offense with. And and, you know, it kind of fell flat. And then um, a couple years later, Ram Truck actually did a very popular ad uh, that on farmers that was voiced by the late Paul Harvey. Uh, that I checked today, guys, and it had almost 18 million views. Oh, my gosh. And they wow. had a watch, you know, what we call a watch to give fundraiser associated with that, uh, where they were donating up to a million dollars of people who view that on YouTube. Uh, so those are the two popular ads. Is there an ad, Michael, that sticks out for you, a particular cause ad? For me, you know, when I think about Super Bowl ads, I really think about um, – really the breakthrough story concept. Like we have to tell a story. We have a very short period of time, but it's got to be one that people remember and talk about. Right. Um, and so I think what you don't see in Super Bowl ads is uh, lists of features or functions of products, right? It's mm -hmm. like you never see that, you know, it does this and it does that and it does this, right? That's not mm -hmm. particularly interesting. So for me, I think organizations can learn a lot from that idea you know, which is that you don't to tell something to tell a powerful story, you don't have to um, to give a whole laundry list of activities. 
You yep. just have to find a way to emotionally connect to your audience. Yeah. And you, you know what I think is interesting too, Megan and Mike, is when we talk about emotions and when we look at Super Bowl ads, they really run the gamut in terms of the types of uh, emotions they evoke. In the sense that like, and, you know, one of the things I always try to, uh, you know, to tell people too is like, look, you know, uh, humor and laughter is an emotion. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, when if you're talking about your nonprofit, it doesn't always have to be sad and disappointing and passionate pessimistic and stuff like that it can be hopeful even humorous and be successful but don't you think don't you think being humorous is hard it well it's hard to do well because i mean that's a, certainly what groupon um uh, tried to do and and fell flat on but i definitely would like to see more causes give it a try what do you think mike yeah i, th I think well i think humor is hard and i think there are some um uh shortcuts to to that i mean i wrote a blog post not too long ago about parody as a great way to do humor mm -hmm. where half of the humor is the stuff people already know and all mm -hmm. you have to do is provide the other half which is you know connecting to that that reference that people already know that's parody mm -hmm. um, so that's a good technique and there's and I gave some exercises about how to think about that but I also think what you said before Joe the idea of hopefulness mm -hmm. is is key too you know mm -hmm. you when people when you just depress people they want to run away and yep. go in the other direction so I think uh, hopefulness and you know as we talk about being donor centric fundraisers you know the hopefulness has to be because of what the donor does is what's hopeful right it's it's that you the viewer or you the donor you the supporter can make this situation hopeful yeah. um, as opposed to it's already that way so you know why do you need me mm -hmm. right you need you need room in your story for the viewer yep. and what's their role in it yeah, there was a great ad a couple um, a couple of years ago, and again, we'll get this in the show notes, where it was for a truck company, and it was about a woman who was coming home from the hospital, and there were very few words shared during uh, that ride or that minute-long commercial that they had, but what it really conveyed was the hopefulness that this person was going to beat cancer, and it was a really nice ad, and of course, it's connected with the truck that she's riding in with her husband, so it was very good. Yeah, I, and I think that's really important is the idea of what's that emotion that we want to connect the brand to. And we don't have to say, you know, this truck carries people with cancer. It's not, yeah. that's not the point. The point yeah. is that, you know, we want, when you think about our brand, we want you to have these feelings. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I think that's true for organizations as well, right? When we think about that organization, we want to give you these feelings. Yeah. I always it's, say this, you know, we do, we produce a lot of video here at C3 and, um, and a lot of times the video is used for gala events or things like that. And I, I always say, you know, people, the second that the video is over, people don't remember the details so much, but they will. remember the emotion. Yeah. yeah they remember, remember how they how, felt. Exactly. They'll remember how you made them feel, but they, they won't remember the details. So, so, but you know, that's a different approach to say, let's build the video around the feelings we want to convey versus the information we want to convey. And that's something that we try to bring into our process, you know, around production is to focus on that. Start with the emotion. You know, I'm interested to hear both of your takes on this because I would be shocked, shocked if this year at the Super Bowl, we didn't see a message from the NFL about domestic violence because they've already started rolling out some of these ads just on regular TV. So it's kind of a touchy thing for them, though, because they're doing it because they've so many of their players have been gotten yeah. in, gotten in trouble. Yeah. So how do you do how do you do that correctly? Even though you're totally behind the eight ball on this, 
but how do you how do you do that correctly Mm. I mean, there is a little bit of a cognitive dissonance thing here, right? I mean, the the there's all this stuff going on, and and the ratings for NFL games have never been higher. And in a sense, you know, if they just look at the numbers, people aren't punishing them, you know, for any of that. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think they do need to show that they that they care, and they have been rolling out these. They rolled out a campaign, you know, around it. Um, so I think. I think it sort of stays in that in that box where it's in that little interstitial or little ad, but it doesn't. It's not something that gets talked about too much because right. that's not what they want you to be thinking. You're not going to buy your Doritos yep. if you're thinking about that too much. You know, it seems like too like they might be a little bit smarter if they kind of worked with someone else to kind of pass that message along, and they still may do that. You know, I know that they were working with the United Way on the different campaigns and stuff like that, and, you know, have someone else carry the water uh, that isn't so directly connected with the NFL. I'd be surprised if the NFL has direct messaging on domestic abuse and they don't let someone else handle it for them. Oh, well, let's let's put some money on that. Yeah, yeah I, I, well, I think the question is, until the NFL shows some real credibility there, yeah. uh, probably the groups that work on it didn't want to don't want to touch it. I mean, they, yeah. you know, it's like it's like the environmental group, you know, working with Exxon or something. It's like uh, no matter how much money they throw at you, there's a point where you just can't your own constituents will revolt um, if if you get into bed with them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things I think we can expect to see this year with the Super Bowl and which we've seen many times in the past is patriotic uh, ads associated with the troops. I mean, there's a couple out there, um, you know, from Budweiser. It's done it before. You know, Budweiser did a campaign about a soldier coming home and the type of reception he got and stuff like that. And of course, that's a wonderful link for a company like Budweiser to make um, for its brand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I always, uh, you know, sometimes have mixed feelings about some of that that sometimes feels over the top and a little bit cynical to me, like mm-hmm. it's an easy uh, thing to to glom onto, but it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily feel like there's substance there. I think right. I think it depends on the brand. I think Budweiser did do a good job with it, but but I agree with you, Michael. There are veterans seems to be you know the pink washing of our generation. There's so many more veterans organizations out there and so many more campaigns and some of them are really credible and some of them you're right. It's so easy to just slap a flag on something and call it in support of veterans without, you know, reporting on that impact piece and getting to that emotion piece like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I remember uh, Jeep did a campaign. I think it was last year or the year before where they had someone, you know, being picked up at the airport and being taken home. And what they were using is using Jeep vehicles uh, to take those people back to their homes. And I think it was in conjunction with the USO that they did the campaign. And I thought they were particularly well done. Hmm. Yeah. I'm interested, yeah. Michael. So you talked a little bit about the easy thing to do for nonprofits that tends to be a mistake is to do laundry lists of what they're doing. What other things are you seeing organizations doing in their video that ends up being not very effective or things that you try to steer people away from? Well, again, I think it's really talking more about programs than people is one way to say it, you know, that, that your people, your audience doesn't care about your brand. They don't Mm. care about, your programs, they care about people. And so show them people. And, and so, you know, the, the, it's the small story that has the big impact, not the big story. And the reason this is very similar 
Megan, some of what organizations get into is very similar to what happens when they build a website. Because when you're building a website, you have one homepage, and every part of your organization wants a piece of that homepage. Right, right. And the same thing happens because you, a lot of organizations don't make a lot of videos. So when you're making that one high-quality video, everyone wants to be in wants it. a piece of it. Right. So, and the truth is, the answer is that that little story about one thing that doesn't tell the whole background of everything your organization does, but that's what's going to be the most effective. And I think, you know, a lot of organizations, they, they have those stories inside the organization, but they're not sure how to tap into it. Mm. And I always say to them, I say, you know, the, the frontline person, the social worker, the, the whoever it is who's on the front lines of your work, the story that you're looking for is the one that they go home and tell their husband or their wife or their kids about, you know, you're not going to believe what I saw today or who mm. I met today or what happened to me today. It's like, those are the stories that have power and and in a way that's all the video needs to do it doesn't need to carry all the other messaging that that organization mm -hmm. has yeah, that's and, so hard and i i think it is hard and you know but one of the things too michael and i think you might be getting at this and i wanted to know what you thought was one of the predictions that i have for 2015 is that businesses especially will become much less non-profit focused and much more cause focused. And I think that's what you're kind of getting at in terms of like really digging into these organizations and telling the stories of these organizations, but not just doing an ad saying we're supporting the United Way, but showing I, what they actually I, do. I, I, to I totally agree with that. I think that that um, and that has to do with the decline in the authoritative voice of anything in our mm. society in a way, right? People care, people learn information from their friends. They care about interesting stories. The brands, the media companies don't have as much power mm -hmm. um, that they used to. So it's the same. So I would say to, to organizations that they need to follow the same trend, which is be more about the cause yeah. than about your brand. So yeah. tell me what it is you're doing. Tell me what it is you're working on. Tell me what it is you're achieving. Tell me how I can achieve something great in the world through you, you're mm -hmm. the conduit or the mentor for my being a hero in the world. Mm -hmm. That's what is going to interest people. Yeah. And I, I always I always emphasize that with people too, Michael and Megan. It's like, you know, you can't rely on your good name anymore. Is that people are looking for impact and you have to communicate that impact. And obviously video is going to play a really important role in that. And in when we talk about this too, Michael and Megan, it's video of all type. It's just not the super high quality stuff that we see during right. the Super Bowl or probably a lot of the high quality stuff that you do, uh, Michael. But there are a lot of grassroots types of things that uh, nonprofits can be doing to convey their impact. Absolutely. I mean, for us, it's about... Um, video strategy and not just a video. A video is like uh, the drop in the ocean, um, but you really need video strategy. You know, we produced something with YouTube um, called the Into Focus Report, which was the first kind of look at what nonprofits are doing with video. Uh, and and in that report, I mean, we really saw that that again, it, it it's not about a single video that. Mm -hmm that the idea that this video is going to go viral and change everything for you is a myth. It does, right. That right. doesn't happen. And in fact, even when there are videos that have, have big audiences, it doesn't necessarily change organizations in the way they would hope. So right. you have to figure out how do we be, build capacity to have a video strategy across all of our content. We're seeing again in, you know, Facebook um, in the last few months changed 
their the way they work so that video auto plays in the Facebook yep. news yeah. feed. So all of a sudden, Facebook video is grown. In August, there were more Facebook video views than YouTube video views. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, video becomes critical for your social strategy in a and, way that and, it wasn't before. Mike, we uh, we talked about that too back in September, and you know after when the ice bucket challenge was wrapping up, and talking about how you know that l- replay loop there on Facebook probably did a lot to contribute people watching these videos that people were putting up. Uh, tremendously, I mean, so you're not seeking out the video, but it's scrolling right past you, and it starts mm-hmm. to play it's and coming to you. Yeah, and and it yeah. impacts the length of things. It impacts. You know, you should be, and if you're going to upload video directly to Facebook, you should be able to glean something from that with a sound off, for example, mm-hmm. because that's mm, that's a default, good point. You know, setting mm-hmm. there. So, you know, it definitely there's a it's a little like everything with digital. It's there's a moving target because things are evolving. But the idea that you need to have some capacity to tell video stories is clear, and that's only going to grow. Talk a little bit about, you mentioned YouTube, and you've witnessed a really amazing phenomenon on YouTube. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I think that this relates exactly to our point about one video versus video strategy. Right. We, we were looking into the question of, who, well, who does well on YouTube? Who, who has channels that actually have subscribers and people paying attention? And the answer is it's the people who create regular content. So YouTube is like a broadcast network, but if, if there's a show on a channel and it's sort of random, sometimes there's a show, sometimes there's not, well, nobody's going to tune in because they don't know when to tune in or tune in for what. And if you look at uh, organizational uh, channels on YouTube, a lot of it's just a place to dump all the video content you have, right. sort of yep. random. But if you look at who's doing really well on YouTube, it's people who have shows who treat YouTube like a broadcast network. And they produce a show usually weekly. So every Tuesday, there's a new show. And you see that their audience builds over time. So the first show, nobody watches. The second <laughs> show, a few people watch. You know, And it takes months or even years. But they build with compelling content comes audience. And the audience sizes of some of the larger channels on YouTube is staggering. So there's a guy on YouTube. His name's Felix. He's a Swedish guy who lives in London. And he goes by the name PewDiePie and he does a, he, he his show is about he plays basically plays video games and and narrates what he's doing in the video games in a funny way that's that's the sort of short story of of what he does he has 32 million subscribers on YouTube unbelievable which means that every time he posts a video 32 million emails go out to people saying there's a new video on that channel, which means that anytime I post a video, there's two million views on that video before he, you know, within within a few hours of the of the video being posted. So the scale of that is bigger than most broadcast networks in the world. So wow, um, and and he's not alone. I mean, there's that's that's the biggest, but there's ones lots of channels that are in the one million, two million, three million range of subscribers. And again, a subscriber is somebody who says ping me every time you have new content right so um so you know we're working on two strategies around that one is how do we help organizations think about what the regular content is and you think about it it's very similar to a blog the idea which is you know i have to create regular content so people will tune in uh, regularly so how do you do that with video and then the other part of it is how do we tap into these people's communities and networks because a lot of these creators um, including that guy PewDiePie, <laughs> want, want to help 
uh, social causes. So PewDiePie raised money for Save the Children, and he raised money for Charity Water, and he's not alone. And so we are working, uh, you know, on ways in which we can help the creators find causes and help the causes find creators. And one of the things that we're doing now is the Do Gooder Awards, which we which we manage, which are kind of the official awards of the best cause video on YouTube, um, and you can find that at dogooder.tv. Uh, is that um, we're, we have a new award called the YouTube, the Do-Gooder YouTube Creator for Good Award, and it's to honor those people who have channels about cooking shows or about you know makeup or about whatever it is that they do, um, but also care about social causes. So we wanna we wanna hold those people up as great examples. We wanna get more creators doing that, and we wanna find ways in which um, nonprofits can connect with them. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's fantastic. You know, the Daily Do Getter, there's some great uh, videos there too. And talk about humor. Um, a few years ago, David Hesekiel at Cost Marketing Forum challenged me to do a presentation on cost marketing humor at Cost Marketing Forum Conference. And, uh, and I pulled a lot of the videos I used from there. And, it, and they have some really good ones. Uh, yeah. That so were we, funny. Cre- we created that site, dailydogooder.com, to. Um, basically catalog some of these these cause videos in a way that you could search them and one of the search criteria is humor so mm. you can look for videos that were cataloged as humor there uh and you're right i mean there's really clever creative things and again i think if you looked you'd see that a fair number of them use parody mm-hmm. which is a great shortcut to figuring out how to be humorous yeah awesome. right well my favorite as megan knows is the b1 <laughs> For Hagen does, you know what I mean? In the sense, like you know, with the bees dance and stuff like that. What is that. it? I mean, drop it, DJ Honey. Yeah, yeah, drop it, DJ Honey. <laughs> and, I, and I'll tell you, and and after I get off the phone with you two, I am you're gonna, gonna go watch it. I'm gonna be listening to it for like the next half hour. Okay, we're gonna have to put much- we're gonna have to put a bunch of our favorite videos. Maybe Michael, you could send us a couple of your favorite videos. Sure. And we'll include that all in the show notes. You've given us just some amazing things to think about, and you've given us a couple of links that we'll make sure we post. But if people want to find out more about C three and all of the good work that you guys do, where might they do that online? Uh, the best place is c three dot com, and it's spelled S E E in the number three dot com. Excellent. We'll include that too. And Joe, how about you? Where are you going to be blogging about the Super Bowl? Well, here's the thing, though, too. We have to find out first. Uh, Michael, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Oh, you don't want to hear that from me. <laughs> <laughs> Why, is your record that bad? <laughs> no, or is my... it just so judgmental? No, huh? I, 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 it, I think we have the potential to have a really terrific game, and I, and I hope um, you know, we're going to have some really great uh, ads to, to talk right. about afterwards. There you, go. Right. there you go. That's good. That's good. And um, uh, you, the listeners should know, too, that um, that uh, I is Selfish Giving and uh, C3 Communications have actually uh, teamed up on a board that you can find on Pinterest, a watch to give board, which you can find at my board on Pinterest, pinterest.com front slash Joe Waters. And you can check those out. I also have a board for Super Bowl commercials that you can look at. So you can see all sorts of examples and of course we'll put some choice ones in the show notes and people also megan can find me on twitter at joe waters 
and of course at selfishgiving.com. What about you, Megan? Where can people find you? I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF. Do recommend you check us out there. We also have a category of our Halo Awards that is a video category, so maybe we can include that in the show notes as well, just all of the fabulous videos that we've nominated over the years. And Mm. you can find Cause Talk Radio on iTunes as well as Stitcher Smart Radio. We do recommend you subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can stream that from your phone or from your computer at any time. And if you're so inclined and if you're listening, we would love to hear from you. So please either tweet at Joe or myself or leave us a review on iTunes. We definitely want to know what you think about the show. You review on iTunes, we give you a free deflated ball. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here here first, folks. So thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Cause Talk Radio, and we will see you next time.